Now tell me if you remember No telling if you remember I'll never forget I'll never forget Welcome to the Hashtag Call to Scene podcast, the show focused on the strategic disruption of the status quo in technical organizations, communities, and events. Hello, everyone, and welcome to today's episode of the Hashtag Call to Scene podcast. I'm very happy to have someone I met um, recently when I was um, at the JSConf EU. Um, she has played a pivotal role in, um, all it hurts to speak for herself. All right, Simone, introduce yourself. <laughs> <laughs> Hello, my name is Simone. Um, and yeah, I'm a yeah, organizer of JSConfigU and part of the team of CSSConfigU and Neighborhoodies CEO. So this is what I'm doing and I'm living in Berlin and I'm happy to be here. Thank you for having me, Kim. All right. Thank you for joining us. So I always start each show with two questions. Why is it important to cause a scene and how are you causing the scene? Um, so I think stories of discrimination, exclusion and violence are often or most of the times perceived as individual cases. By causing a scene, they become visible as part of a big structural problem or more than one, like racism and white supremacy and others. And so how are you causing a scene? So I was thinking about this question since I listened to the other podcast. And since I'm not a very public person and I'm not very active on social media and not entering any stage to fight injustice, and therefore my first thought to this question was, I don't call the scene. But I'm thankful for everyone who does, since it helped me learn to lo helped me a lot to learn about white supremacy and my own internalized racism in the last years. But if causing a scene also includes invisible work that is not accessible to the public, I would say that my contribution is to listen, <clears throat> to learn, and to use my privilege and my resources as a white woman to open doors for those less privileged. If causing a scene also means to do background work by using my power as a CEO and organizer of a big tech conference, then I'm happy to support causing a scene to make sure marginalized voices get heard. Okay, that was almost brought tears to my eyes. <laughs> because, and I'll say this, um, and this is why I get so frustrated with a lot of white people. They think that causing a scene or making a change or standing up has to be these grand gestures where they have to be in the forefront and their voices have to be heard. And I'm like, no, we're doing this little by little, step by step, increment by increment. And it is very important, the background work that, that happens um, because the background work enables people like myself to take the stage. The background work um, helps people like myself to feel safe in taking the stage. Um, it's all those things that you don't see that are necessary in order for the voices and the messages um, that challenge white supremacy and racism and discrimination and all these other things. Um, so thank you for that. You're the first person to mention the, the quiet, silent, disruptive work. It's like, it reminds me, I don't know why it popped in my head, but it reminds me of when, um, I am, if people have not figured this out yet, because I've said it a number of times, I am a World War II history buff. Um, I watch, I will watch anything on World War II history. And um, it reminds me of the French resistance um, that they had, they'd already lost the, 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 the war, the battle. Um, Germany was, had already taken over um, France. But it was the resistance, these little bitty disruptive, <laughs> blowing up bridges, um, doing things that just were just like, oh, my God, they're a thorn in my side kind of thing. Those things are very important because they, they, they slow progress of harmful behavior and they help to distract so that other work that has um, a different, I'm not going to say a more important impact, but has a different impact can take place. So that's what I thought about. So you're doing the resistance work. Okay. Thank you. That's good to hear. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. It all matters. It all matters. And so there's a, there's a specific reason I have Simone on the um, podcast. And I thank you so much for, for coming on. Um, I spoke at um, um, uh, JSConf EU last year. And I was welcomed back this year to hold uh, my um, hashtag conference. And um, 
this is, and I, I want to have this conversation because as you stated, JS Conf EU is, has been one of the largest conferences, international conferences in the tech space. Um, and when you, again, this is this, this disruptive um, resistance work, when this conference does something, it re- has a ripple effect throughout the whole community. And, and that's good, bad, or indifferent. And I like to t- just have some conversations about the things that you've done um, that went well, that didn't go well, that you learned from. And that's why I want to have this conversation. So I'm going to talk about two specific things that you and I talked about when I were in, was in Berlin. And, um, and then anything else you'd like to share, because I want this to be an opportunity for organized, event organizers to understand that they have not only a responsibility to make spaces safe, but even in their efforts, they will fall short. And it's about getting up and learning and saying, okay, we, that didn't work well. Let's, let's, let's check on the people who were harmed. Let's make sure we've taken care of that before we move forward, but we still need to move forward. It's not a stopping point. So the two incidents that um, took place, um, well, first of all, I already, I'm sure, because it, it always happens, and I just didn't hear about it. I'm sure last year when I spoke, I, well, mm, I'm not going to say that. 99.9% of the time when I speak at a conference, I am reported for a code of conduct violation. 99.9% of the time. I didn't hear about anything uh, from your conference, so I'd be surprised if it didn't happen, but um, that's me causing a scene. Um, <laughs> I, I, my first slide is always the name of my talk. The second slide is all my social media handles, and my third slide is a content warning that I'm here to make white people uncomfortable. And so, um, inevitably, um, there's someone who reports me for this was inappropriate, this made me uncomfortable. I mean, the very things that I warned them about. Um, and they can never point a finger at anything specifically that I've done to break a code of conduct because I never do. It's about them being uncomfortable with the content, the messenger, and the message. So again, so I, again, I don't know if anything happened last year. So no, it didn't. But, uh, oh, wow. That's, whew, that, <laughs> I could tell you that was a, one of all of them last year that I did not get a code of conduct. <laughs> A report. Okay. So, um, so this year I was very excited for two reasons. First of all, that um, not even being a person who was speaking on the stage of that conference, the fact that this community wanted to make sure that I was there again to provide, to put on my conference speaks a lot to um, your, the team's commitment to having marginalized voices um, represent it and, and not just represent it, but support it and support it financially. That is a very important thing. <laughs> um, it's like you, these, um, com- they want these events, they want, you know, they'll invite you and then you have to spend your own money or they invite you and then, um, they have no provisions for anything. And it's like, no, I'm there to work. I don't understand this. So that's one thing. So I was coming to do my conference. And then I hear about that, oh my God, this conference or this set of conference organizers are going to have a BIPOC space. And so a BIPOC stands, BIPOC stands for Black Indigenous People of Color. And so it's going to be a BIPOC, it's BIPOC in tech. So B-O-B-I-P-O-C-I-T. Yes. <laughs> Man, that's an acronym. And so I was so excited about this because I was like, oh my God, the, one of the largest conferences, international conferences, is, is creating a space just for Blacks, Indigenous, and people of color just to be and breathe and have fun. And so I actually made jokes before I left. I was like, I'm going to take my microphone because I know there are going to be white people outside and be pissed off. And I'm just going to be like, so why are you mad? So why are you mad? So I just like kind of joked about it. <sighs> Needless to say... <sighs> That experience was what I thought it would be times 10 when it comes to emotional harm. Um, So that's the one incident. And the other incident was, um, and this is why I I immediately, um, the next day, talks about being mindful of the third party vendors that you bring into your spaces. Um, And there was an 
that we were switching over from CSS Conf to JS Conf that night. There was we were, a number of us were sitting on the inside, chilling out because it had been raining, but we were just sitting there enjoying ourselves. And a security guard who um, was his behavior was completely inappropriate for a tech conference, first of all, because it was like a bouncer, but it was just just racially charged and just just gross. Um, and I flipped the fuck out. So those are two incidents that happened. Um, and I want you to speak, because I really want people to understand. Um, okay, we'll start with the security thing, because yeah. I'll, 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 I'll give my side of it. And then I really want you to talk about what you because I didn't even know this until you and I talked, mm -hmm. what you as a team did to prepare for this and it still happened. Because this is what people think. It's like they think that, you know, you do this one thing and, and it's going to be all good. No, this things happen. We're dealing with human beings. And so you have to have provisions in place. You have to have strategies and all these things to ensure that the most vulnerable are, are taken care of. So what happens? Okay, so we're sitting there, we're chilling, everybody's enjoying themselves. And then I want to say specifically that one of the very few white people that I really, really trust literally with my life was sitting right next to me. And he even failed in that moment. So the, the, the gentleman comes up and says, hey, um, no, how he comes up, it was like he was at a bouncer at a bar. So everybody already checked that energy. Like, why is he approaching us this way? So, it's, so when my friend saw it, he was the only white guy at the table. What he should have done was to correct the dude's behavior then because it was inappropriate for the space. But in his thinking, when I talked to him yesterday, he was like, oh, it's just some guy, a bouncer, at a, you know, he's acting like a bar. I'm just going to ignore it. But when you have privilege, you can ignore that. I have a different experience with people like that coming to me with, with that kind of energy. So he's like, yeah, you need to go outside, blah, blah, blah. So we're getting, we're, we're, I mean, literally he goes, so it's a, we're at a picnic table. So picnic tables aren't very long. So he gets, he goes from the head of the picnic table to the middle of the picnic table before we can even collect our things. He's like, I'm not going to tell you again. And I flipped the fuck out because what it felt like to me, it just triggered that thing in me when some cop or some person who tells me, first of all, I have no right to be in a space. Um, I have to move when they tell me to move or, or, and not and or and there will be consequences, but I'm not moving fast enough. And so I just literally disconnected myself <laughs> because it was I just went the hell. I just started screaming and I'm just like, I'm not dealing with this in Germany. This is not what the fuck I came here for. And um, one of the other organizers came in and being a white dude, did not know how to handle the situation. Um in an effective manner. And all of a sudden you came out of nowhere and you looked me in the eye and you were like, and it was all about me. It was that you, you, you were doing what I would do with my students when they used to flip out. It's like, okay, give me eye contact. Come on, focus, focus. Come on. <laughs> I know I see you in there. I got you. You're safe. Talk to me. And you did that. And it calmed me down and it made me, it, it helped me to, and and you did it in a way that did not discount my experience. You did it in a way that says, I recognize what's going on here. I support you. I protect you. And I'm going to handle this. And you were so intentional about, so I was like, I'm not, I'm leaving. I'm leaving. They're like, but you're, you're coming back, right? I mean, you're not, it was like, and, and it was all about me, which it needed to be in that moment because I was, now, mind you, there were other marginalized people at the table, but I was the one that just—it was just—it was just triggering. So, talk about what that was like for you, how we got to that point, the the things you put in place before that, um, or tried to put in place. Yeah, just talk about that. Yeah. Oh, uh, so the situation. So, at in this moment, I was just trying to, yeah, what you just said to make sure that you feel safe again that there's somebody who can do something so what i did next to the so after we talked was uh, getting that security guy out of the scene so he didn't come back and he was not allowed to come back um so actually it was a very emotional moment for me because we 
worked a lot to get those situations or to avoid those situations at the conference. Um, we had uh, already two reported incidents in 2018. Um, also with people of color involved and with the security team, um, which is which stuck to the venue at that time. So we had no choice about the security team. And we were, so the, the happy case was, it was reported because in both situations where it was one person involved, which we personally knew, so, or no. So um, they reported us the situations where the security was, uh, yeah, also are quite behaving in the same manner, like going to the people of color first, getting them out very rudely, um, saying things twice. And uh, that was very bad behavior. And I was in 2018 kind of desperate because I couldn't do anything. So I was trying to reach out to the head of security. I was trying to reach out to anybody who was involved. And we had no, no power to to do something, to change the persons who are working there, to get someone fired, to get someone reported. We even didn't know the names of the persons who were uh, involved into this incidents. So what we decided shortly after the conference in 2018 was that we want to have more power about the security team, that we want to talk to them, that we want to make sure that we get a team um, for our event, which is, um, uh, yeah, sensitive, not racist at all. <laughs> um, so we were just started starting to think about what we can do. Um, there were a lot of meetings um, afterwards um, with the venue. And so, as I already told you, the security team was stick to that venue. So we had no choice. Um, and we were t discussing internally how to how to handle that. Um, I have to say that um, for this topic, as well as other topics uh, for this conference, a great help was Tui, who joined our team uh, yeah, in summer 2018 to prepare 2019 conference. Um, and Tui helped me a lot to, to get the, or to sort the thoughts about the, the fact that what racism or what what triggers people of color in those situations? Because as I already uh, told you, I'm I'm learning about white supremacy and about my internalized racism, and I'm trying to see all the incidents and I'm trying to to see the situations. But of course, I I don't see anything. So Tui and I talked a lot, and we talked about how security personnel should be to make sure that people feel safe. Um, so we came to that point that we could make sure that the security team itself would be trained. So we wanted to um, get an anti-racism workshop for them so that they they uh, care or that they are trained in terms of what racism is and what white supremacy is and what their power is. So that, that was with the team of the venue. Um, they didn't want to make the workshop because of, of yeah, for reasons because they didn't care. They wanted to make their own workshop, which was not enough for us. So we were able to change the team after they were not fulfilling the contract. We get two teams on, on the, at the venue and that was good. So it was fine. We had a new team. They were trained before. We didn't have the time to set up all the workshop things we wanted, but we make sure in different meetings that we can have a, uh, that we got a full overview over people who were involved into the security team. We knew their faces, we knew their names, and they knew us. So I was the first contact person for the security team. Um, and of course, the rest of our organizer team too. So, But I was in contact most of the time. Um, also, at the same time, TUI was creating the awareness team, which was there to make sure that people, so, so attendees, um, have one person who gives them emotional support or support in whatever cases they need and to make sure that there are not only security people to talk to in case something arises. So this is what we did before 2019's JS Conference, CSS Conf EU. 
um, it was a lot of work and we we were like, okay, this is kind of an experiment. We don't know how that works in the end, but um, we this is what we could do to make sure that we don't just leave things as they are and uh, that we can make sure that there is a sensitivity for that topic, that everybody has to... Yeah, to, so actually they had to sign our code of conduct in which we state that we are that uh, racist uh, slurs and language and also ableistic uh, ableisms and uh, those things are not allowed. So we, we try to make them aware as, as good as we can. Um, but the thing is that, and this is also the experiment, so we, we had two teams and I didn't know how that how this will work out um also we i was a contact person but of course i didn't know how this will work in the end because during an event things are going very fast sometimes and we couldn't train those situations as you were describing so the transition from css configure to js configure is also a bit uh, always a bit stressful because the venue has to be empty at some point to prepare js configure so the CSS Conf uh, evening event is then planned to be outside. Unfortunately, in that evening it started to rain, so nobody wanted to go outside. Uh, of course, um, so we we were in the situation that we had to make sure that people have to go outside into the rain <laughs> and not come back, um, and that in a friendly manner. So. I talked to the security personnel that they should be around in case something um, went wrong. Um, and But they weren't allowed to, to talk to our attendees directly at that time. And that worked well. So it was no problem. But by the time that we, we were in stress, so we needed support. So what I tried to make sure is that the awareness team is around to talk to to people um, sitting on the table, the security team. If they talk to someone, they had to be very friendly. Um, so the person which was so the person who tried to get you out of the room, he even was not a security person, unfortunately. So I, I didn't talk to them before. Um, uh, he was kind of the the fire um, protector people. And I, I wasn't aware that, or I didn't have in mind that he would go into our, into the, into the situation and talk to our attendees. So um, in short, everything went wrong. So what I did was I was talking to that person that he got out. And also I was talking the, the other day, the next day to to the head of security and they made sure that um, the person won't come back and uh, that uh, everybody was briefed again. So what we had, so it was such hard work. And as I said, in this situation, I was just disappointed that these things happen again. Um, but we had more power. It was hard work to to get the conversation with the security team. It was very hard work to to get into the structures of the security company. So this is nothing I've ever done before. I've never went into companies uh, who are working in these fields and finding out how they work and with whom they work. But it was, yeah, it was the work we've done. And what we could do in the end, at least, was um, handling the situation so that we didn't have to to um, tell you that the person is still around and that we can't do nothing. So this is the small success in this situation, even if it was very disappointing for all of us that this happened again. Everyone in the hashtag call the scene community shares the same common beliefs based on a set of four specific guiding principles. One, tech is not neutral, nor is it apolitical. Two, Intention without strategy is chaos. Three, lack of inclusion is a risk and increasingly a crisis management issue. And lastly, but most importantly, four, we must prioritize the most vulnerable. 
To find out more about the guiding principles and adding them to your Twitter profile banner, please visit hashtag causeascene.com. small success in this situation, even if it was very disappointing for all of us that this happened again. And um, yeah, so this is the security story. I, I hope I was kind of understandable. It's kind of weird, actually. No, it's actually, um, it's great because again, what it highlights is there will be all the planet in the world cannot stop. Um, what am I trying to say? Even with all the planning upfront, things happen. It's about moving as quickly as possible to minimize harm. And that's just the bottom line. It's like harm will happen. And this is the, this is the thing that I need white people to understand in tech. You will cause harm. You have been trained to cause harm. What I need you to do is once you've been told that you're causing harm, just like Simone says, she's learning. She never would have, you had this person on the team who helped you see a lot of things that you wouldn't have recognized before. As soon as someone tells you that there's harm being caused, it's time to act. It's not a time to sit back and debate about, well, what do you mean? No, I'm being harmed. I'm actively being harmed in this situation. Let's move. You, you need to get to moving. And this is one of the things that really pisses me off with these people in tech, these people with these large followings on t- social media, and you know they're they're making these six and seven figure incomes who get on t- these social media platforms and complain about the fact that they can't do and behave and say the things they've done before because their feelings are hurt. When they say something, they someone tells them it's inappropriate and their feelings are hurt. I'm like, dude, did you not think about what you said and how if someone's telling you that that you've done something and your feelings are hurt, them telling you means that somebody else has been harmed. Not their feelings have been hurt, but they've been actively harmed. And your harm, their harm is not equal to your feelings. Yeah. So I really appreciate when you said you were, it was a dis- upsetting experience for you um, also. And in that moment, you made it about me. You didn't make it about you. And, and this is the first I'm even hearing that how, because you were in control. You're like when I, again, when I was a teacher, when something happened, I go straight into let's get it done. And then <laughs> later I deal with my yeah. feelings. <laughs> I remember one of my, one of my, uh, one of my youngsters at the time I was doing um, elementary school and we were in a park and a little girl came down the slide on her knee and it, it cut open her whole knee. I am, didn't, was not prepared for all of that. But I scooped her up in my arms. I'm looking down at her knee as her knee's leg is swinging. It's gaping open. I'm like, oh, my God. <laughs> but I get her to where she's going. We call the ambulance, you know, all that. And then afterwards, she's gone. And I'm like, what the <laughs> fuck did I just do? Yeah. It's like, oh, my God, I can see her bone. That was so gross. <laughs> but I didn't want her to freak out because, you know, and it's that thing. It's it's. In those moments, you have to develop the skills to take care of the person who's harmed. And then you deal with making sure that you are yeah, okay. That's true. And that's what you, that's where I was so impressed with that situation um, is because you, you did that. And, and, and the fact that you can say on this show, you know, I'm learning. I'm just, because everybody keeps thinking this is something, you know, you have to know that there's an ABC, yeah. a manual, you take a test and you pass white supremacy 101. No. Yeah. <laughs> <sighs> okay. <laughs> so now let's talk about the BIPOC space because that was the bigger for me, um, the, 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 the greater harm. And I think this is where most white people, white people caused the harm and the majority of them had no yes. clue or even cared about the harm they were causing. So, so this story is, so I get there at CSO. This is going to be a three day, three day of three days of this. It's so you have the awareness team and they're mainly people of color. And also they're from what I saw, there were a lot of them weren't even in the tech space. They just volunteered to do this. Yes. Yeah. So they may not have been aware of how uh, exclusionary this space can be and how um, tech folks 
think they know everything and 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 and, re- and so they saw if they're on internet at uh, social media at all what they saw was a hyper of the conversations that people try to get you dragged into um on online so you have these innocent folks who just decided to um hey we're gonna attend this thing i'm gonna volunteer for doing this thing and so the awareness team were at the door uh, of this space and so what it was and it was i'm gonna be honest it wasn't even a great space it was it was it was in the back there was no air conditioning but it was our space and we loved every minute of it so we would go you had to have a van to get in um and you had to just be a a black be black and be a person of indigenous background or a person of color and we and it wasn't even that it wasn't like checking your ID or anything. It was just like, you know, hey, if you're a person of color, put this band on and you're the only you you're the only you can only come in. And so there was programming that the team for that space had created for us. And it was on the schedule. But when I walked in, I was not there. I walked literally to the desk and I could see the faces of the people who were manning this space. And it was not 30 minutes that I went and I sat outside and I sent one of the organizers a a, a Twitter DM and um, highlighting my concerns about this space. Because what I saw on that very first day of CSS, and that was at the beginning, because I came at lunch, it was after lunch, and they'd already been stressed out. So that's what I knew was a problem because the conference had only started been going for like three hours and they were already stressed. And what I knew was going to devolve into or people of color having to justify to white people who always, always are welcome in spaces, why they couldn't come into that space, number one, and why we needed a safe space, why we needed to be separated, why we felt why this space was was necessary. And the first really engagement I saw was it was a talk in that space that was about accessibility. And the white guy comes over and he's pissed he can't come in. And he says, it's ironic that accessibility talk can't, is not accessible to everybody. And I was like, well, explain to me why that's ironic. Because the, the people who were there were just like fed up. And I was like, okay, let me step in for a minute. I'm like, why is it ironic? And he didn't have a reason for it, except the fact that he couldn't get in. And then, um, and I was like, why is it ironic? The, the talk is about accessibility. The space has nothing to do about being accessible to everybody. That's two different things. And then he said something about, he tried to do a little offhand comment because he's um, in the LGBTQ community. Well, he didn't realize that one of the people there there was also from the LGBTQ community and said, you could have had your own space as well. So what, 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 is, what, are, you, what, what are you trying to say? And so, and I knew at that moment it was going to be a shit show. And it wasn't until the, actually the next day at JSConf when some of the, 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 the organizers showed me that people had gone to Twitter to complain about this. And at that point, I'd lost my mind because I was like, okay, I get that you're pissed because you can't get in this space. That's what whiteness does. But for you to go on Twitter, a public format, to question why I need a safe space, I am not having that. And so it just, it, it was just everything that I knew was going to be and so much, so much worse. And so by the end of that three days of these black individuals, these people of color having to justify themselves for having this space, they were tired, they were exhausted. And I had my conference on that Monday. And so everybody knows that only marginalized people can speak on my stage. And if anybody deigns to question that, you can get the hell out. I'm, I'm not, I'm not, debating it. I don't have a team to discuss it with. It's just, I'm here to make these individuals safe. And so when they came, I they have been dealing with it all day Monday. So and now it spills over to its fourth day. They've been dealing with it all day Monday and, and they were just exhausted. And so I was able, because I only had, I usually have six speakers, but I only had four. Um, and I had not even planned to do this because I was just going to, you know, um, do something else. And, but I saw that the exhaustion on their faces. So for the last hour of my conference, we sat in a circle and I just created a a space for these people of color to tell their story, just to share their story. And I, I don't really remember a lot of things because I'm always in the moment, but I, one thing I do remember, and I, and I have no problem with saying this, I told everybody there, if you are white and you open your mouth, I will hit you in the throat. 
I really was, I was at that point because I wanted to make sure they understood that this was not about them. This was a space for these people of color to process the trauma that they had been experiencing for the last four days. And if you could not give them that space, if you could not give them an hour, your ass was going to be in pro- I was going to really have a problem with you. So from the, and I want to have this conversation because I don't want people to think it was a fail. Again, it was an experiment. Um, we were very happy in that space to have that space. Um, and it's just, we've experimented. We see what can go wrong. Now let's fix it. So tell me how did this even, because I don't think you and I even talked about this. How did this idea even come up? Because I think that was a bold choice for you, uh, for the team to do this. Um, yeah, so the idea came up um, again in the conversation with Tui. So it was not Tui's idea. She always uh, told me that the uh, the uh, by pocket space is not the first space ever. So there are examples from before, from other events, uh, which are not in tech. So um, we talked about what we could do, even in the discussion about security and else, what we could do to make people feel safer in our event so uh, since we are realizing as a white organizer team um, our our attendees are mostly white so uh, having a look in the, in the in the former year so this was a tense conference um, if you saw the group photos uh, group pictures uh, in the beginning on in the opening of JSCon for you you could see that there was an involvement, but not that. Uh, so the thing is that we were sitting together and talking about things which the conference could do to provide spaces or safer spaces for people of color. Um, so this is how the idea of the by pocket space came to the organizers for the first time. Um, <clears throat> I talked to them about this idea and everybody was... Uh, 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 agreed directly, so there was no long dis- discussion. It was just the question of how this uh, should, yeah, look and who can organize it. So, um, yeah, we asked uh, Dara, Lauren, and uh, Vanessa, and they did a really great job. But as you already uh, said, it was an experiment. It was the first time we had no idea how this would really work out in the end. So the idea was to have a team of people of color um, for this space. Um, I think nobody was thinking about how hard this would have to, uh, how hard we would have to protect the space in the end. Um, so this is how the idea came up. The whole organizer organization of the space was uh, with the by pocket space team. So Lauren, Dara, and Vanessa. Um, so this is how it was. So Tui helped in the beginning. So they, they've written a blog post about the space and about their experience. And I can recommend to read it. Um, so as the space was at the conference, we were all happy to see happy faces going into that space, entering it and having a good time in there. But after the conferences, the organizer team had long discussions about what came to our ears about how hard it was to protect it. So you already mentioned the text message you sent. So we were talking about this and um, we were talking to the organizers of the space uh, during the conference and we offered to to help to be there as a white person. But uh, we we failed in in realizing what we actually did that you cannot only have a space and then leave it as it is and go away because we were we would have yeah we would have been so we should have taken the position of protecting the volunteers and the organizers um, and to make sure that we are standing with the space so yeah we announced it in the beginning so in the in every um opening on every day um but we weren't there enough. So it was really a separated space. 
which was good, which was the idea. And I think this is what didn't get into our heads. So I, I can speak uh, of myself. So I was like, maybe they don't want me to be too close to this space because I don't want to be annoying. But um, that was actually, I think that was a mistake. Maybe it was a planning mistake too. It was an experiment as uh, we already stated. So um we we failed in seeing the impact of this small room we were providing for a group of uh, attendees um and i'm i'm happy that people were able to have a good time there and i'm happy that um something like this is now a thing and could be um created in other conferences or events as well but there are a lot of a lot of things which you have to do to make sure that something like bike pocket space or bike pocket space uh, for example is really integrated into the whole event like nobody should be should already think of, or only think about going to the organizers of the bike pocket space and letting them know that this is not the right way to do it. They should always see that we are standing behind that space. And we failed in making that sure enough that the white organizer team was standing next to the BIPOCKET space team. And we were not discussing those questions too often during the conferences, but the organizer team of the BIPOCKET space had to. So they were harmed. And that was a really bad situation which we which all yeah which came to our heads afterwards um so yeah so the experiment went well and there's a lot of things we have to do so um so as people who've been to the conferences or reading about the conferences know that uh we've already decided not to come back in in this kind so this was the last of a kind jsconf for you as well as cssconf for you we are really thinking about how to restructure the whole event to make sure that those spaces are not only an on top add-on which is half served so this should be included into the organization of such an event from the first time also the organizer team has to think about their own presence that we are white people so we have to restructure the organization that we have to restructure our own structure getting into the team finding out um where's the if we are yeah where are our biases what do we have to do to get more people more people of color into our team and to feel safe in our team and then maybe feeling safe enough to tell us we are feeling harmed please help us in this case because i think this is the biggest failure that They didn't feel safe enough to tell us that they need our help or to trust us that we want to help and could help in this situation. I'm so happy you mentioned that because the reason, let me explain to you why that is. Because when marginalized, particular people of color come into white spaces, we already have to be at 110%. And uh, we have to create many times something out of nothing. And we will not we will go to our friends we will go to uh, we will not allow you to use the fact that we don't have the resources all these things against us because that's what happens and so um in that in that message that I sent to the organizer one of the things i said was um that there need to be white people outside of that space uh remove those people of color from outside of the space and allow them to enjoy the space and have the policing done by the um by white people who can explain who can challenge the other white people because again white people don't listen to us when we ch when they challenge us they they think we are supposed to go by what they say and then when we don't it we're being um angry and and aggressive and all these other things and so it's 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 not an equal playing field um And also, and I told when the organizer said that the, these um, individuals wanted to, the three organizers 
wanted to man this space them, this themselves and i told no i told him this before i said i don't and i and i doubt very seriously if you bring it to them that they'll say yes i need your help in this and i knew i knew that was not going to happen and so I, all i could do at that moment was sit back and just watch it happen unfold which is quite painful and to be there at be there to support them in whatever help they needed because i knew that um, a white organizing team going to them and saying, hey, we are, we're hearing this. How can we help? Would come across as you don't trust us to do this. Um, I'm not going to let you know I'm not um, uh, that this is painful to me because I'm not going to show you my pain. That's a big one. You're not, I'm not going to put my pain on display for you. Um, and so I'm going to stuff everything down and I'm going to take this just so that you can't use this against me in, 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 in the future. And the thing that I wrote down right here was, is just so profound. It was a small space. JS Comfy U takes up a whole damn arena, warehouse, <laughs> a warehouse, a freaking warehouse. This space was smaller than my home office. And it's still, white people still thought they had to write to come into this space. That says so much about what whiteness does and what white supremacy and racism looks like. Even in the small corner, because it was a small corner, again, there was no, we, we had a fan in there, I think, but we were, we were in there dancing, we were all of that stuff. And even in that, we couldn't have that space, that small space to ourselves mm-hmm. without having to justify why it needed to be there. Um, and I really appreciate the fact that you understand. And this is what gets me is these things should not be an afterthought. And I'm, I'm happy you said this. This should be this is where like I get pissed off about diversity tickets when people think about it. Oh, at the last minute. Oh, we don't have enough black people. Or we don't have enough um, people with, on the LGBTQ. We don't have enough people with disabilities. So we're just going to do this diversity ticket thing and see. No, that should be a part of the organize how you plan these spaces. We. Uh, that right there shows us, talks about white supremacy because we're an afterthought. It's like, oh, we got all our other needs taken care of. Oh, we forgot about these people because, oh, we need these people and we realize they're not here because, because um, oh, God knows we don't want people to come into our thing and it's all just white people. No, we need these people of color. So these become, become, become these tokens, these things. Um, and I have a client who, they gave money to a conference for diversity tickets. He showed up at the conference and was all white. And he asked the organizer, where did the diversity tickets go? And he said he gave them to what? older white men. That's who was their diversity. So you give, Sir. yes, exactly. Um, relative to young white men, yes, white men are under, older white men are underrepresented. But are many of them marginalized? Hell no. Um, and this is the thing that happens. It's, it's, it's white people want to use diversity for when it works for them, but then they don't want to use it when it works for, when it's in, um, a part of helping other people feel safe. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah. I, I, and, and again, I don't, I'm happy it happened. Cause I, again, there's a difference between theory and practice. And so I knew it was going to be a problem. I didn't know it was going to be in this scale and I wouldn't have, I had to, it's, it's traumatized because I was even traumatized by it all, but I had to see it for myself to know how to speak about this, to know how to challenge individuals um, about spaces and, and, and the need for people of color to, to justify themselves and, and, and why they need, like, why do you need a safe space? Because everything is safe for you. That's why we need safe spaces. Every space is safe for white people. Yeah, that's true. Um, yeah, I, I also think it it was good that so it was good that we had it and the 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 blog post uh, from the BIPOCET space organizer team shows that there were good parts in it and that it is it is worth to 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 go on and to to move on with those initiatives initiatives. Sorry for the pronunciation, um, but yeah, there's so much you have to do as so thinking about also you mentioned scholarship program so we when i got into the conferences involved into the conferences um i was the person in charge for 
uh, scholarship and speakers communication. And it was in 2015 and it was also the first scholarship program we had. And we have it since then. And it's, uh, I think it's the biggest uh, in a tech conference too. So, but what you have to, to um, have in, in mind giving a scholarship program is you can't only throw out diversity tickets and then see what happens. So there's a lot of stuff you can, you have to think about. So also the scholarship program is something which was put on top onto the conference, which was, which is a conference. JSConfigu is a conference uh, organized by three white men in the beginning. And most people in the audience were white men. Um, and then you're putting on top the scholarship program because you want to do something good. But realizing that you you have to be more open-minded. So we only have a scholarship jury for three years now. So this was kind of, we didn't know how to handle that much applications. And also we thought about how how good is it that the white organizer team is reading the applications for a scholarship program, which is for people of color and marginalized people, which we aren't. Um, so we have a jury now, which is uh, yeah, which is representing the people we want to invite. So these are all small involvements we did to make the scholarship program a success. But we don't want to to. So, but we realized this year that it should be possible to make those people attend without a scholarship program. Um, not sure how we can do that. Um, the scholarship program was great help for a lot of people. I know that. So uh, some of them came back as speakers and a lot of them have jobs now, which they hadn't before. And they are thankful and they thankful for the opportunity to attend that conference. But it's, it's, at the same time, it's so sad to see that those people wouldn't attend without people giving money and then wanting a reward. Maybe some of them, not all. So I have the feeling that a lot of them are giving because they see the impact of a scholarship program. But if they are at the conferences, they have to see that those people need space and that you can't only have the feeling of doing something good by inviting them and then leaving them alone. This was another involvement we did uh, only two years ago. Um, and the year before, uh, so in 2018, it was very spontaneously. So we, we had a meet and greet just to make sure that the people meet each other, that they know each other, that they are not alone. Um, because we didn't have in mind, and this is the same, which is now the bi-pocket space sought for in the first uh, conversations we had about it, we didn't have in mind that we are inviting people from, uh, yeah, from different countries, people of color, people who are marginalized, and we are inviting them into a big tech conference with a lot of white people and a lot of, yeah, people with a lot of money and power, and they feel lonely and they feel maybe lost because they don't have anybody. So um, making them meet each other to see that there are a lot of people with whom they can talk to and with whom they can feel a bit safer was something we did very lately. So it is always, it is a process. It is a constant learning. Um, but there are a lot of things when you're organizing an event, which you have to in mind from the first time on. So from the first conversation about a new event, or while you are having an event, seeing what processes are all, which one, which have to be, uh, which of the processes you already have have to be rethought and maybe restructured, and this is something you need the conversation. You need people to help you. You need people on your team who have experiences which you don't have, and you always. So what my experience was um, that there are a lot of things making you feel like 
dumb ass because you didn't think about them, but you didn't think about them because you never experienced them. Yeah, so exactly. you you have to have people in your team who have experiences which you just don't have, and then you have to listen, and then you just don't have to question them. And this is a hard part. Yeah, it's like trust <laughs> trust that we know what, what's best for us. We're not trying yes. to waste your money. We're not trying to, we're trying to, again, like I say, lack of inclusion is a risk management issue. Um, and, and this is, I'm glad you spoke to this because this is something I've been saying a lot lately, which is the diversity is about recruitment. Inclusion is about retention. So it's about just because you, I show up at something does not mean I feel included. Just because you, inv- you you open the door and I come in, that does not mean I feel included or you have an inclusive space. Very often you have an exclusive space. And I'm going to say this, and it's going to be funny for people of color because we do this. We go into a tech space or any, well, we're going to talk about tech. We go into, a, let's say a tech conference. Immediately what we do is start trying to spot other people who look like us. Immediately. We just start looking around um, and seeing um, how many people of color are in the space. And I can I can commend one conference or um, set of conference organizers who I've seen do this, and it's predominantly white people. Closure Con, the Closure Conference by um, he, um, Alex um, Miller, I think is like yeah, he does also um, Strange Loop. Um, he, when I, that was, because oh, so coming from Atlanta where there are black people everywhere to go to that conference, it was 400 and some of the people. And I walked in and it was like, where are the black? I mean, it was read, it was a sea of white people. I felt immediately uncomfortable. Immediately, I was literally standing on a chair and trying to figure out where are other black, black people of color. And one thing that they've done is the night before the conference, because there's also not a lot of women there at all. Um, they, they provide a dinner. So we go to a restaurant and they pick, pick up the tab and all the women are there meeting each other, socializing. Um, and, and literally it was, it was, it, it was less than 30 of us. I mean that it was 400 some people, it was less than 30 something women. And so, uh, we enjoy each other's company for the night, the day, the first day of the conference, they have it so that all um, people of color, and it, it, this when I went, it was it was um, black people, uh, and it was five of their five of us, and they paid for us to go to a Mexican restaurant, so they um, paid for us to go and socialize and, and talk, and 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 I I get that a lot of places can't do that, they can't may not be able to. But I take that back. Screw that shit. If you're asking for money, asking for an extra hundred dollars from a from a sponsor is not going to kill them. They're either going to do it or they don't. Um, and these spaces are necessary. So even in that space of um, a sea of whiteness, the organizers of the closure conferences at least made an attempt so that I can connect with people like myself and had had knew that there were people like me so I could feel safe because I, I'm going to be uh, just, just be as honest as I can be. I do not feel safe in a space full of white people. I do not feel safe. It is not a safe space for me. And if you're not understanding what I'm saying, let me say it again. I, Kim Creighton, do not feel safe in a sea of white people. I just don't. I don't care if it's a tech conference, if it's on the street, if it's at the zoo, at the movie theaters, I do not feel safe. Yes. All right. So what would you like to say in your final moments? This is really good. Thank you so much, first of all, for just being as transparent and honest um, and being a, a, a great mo- role model for white people who are doing these events. Because um, I can talk about it all day long, but coming from another white person who's struggling with this it means something. So thank you for, for, um, for taking the time and being so honest and transparent, but what would you like to say in your last moments? Uh, Thank you for having me. Um, I have to admit, I was very excited. This is the first podcast I was, uh, invited to. And I, I, (laughs) I, uh, enjoyed talking to you and I can just say that there's a lot of things we have to do and it's, it's good if, we work together on some things and uh, yeah, to all the white people just learn and listen. It is really necessary. And also it, it gives you something. So I, I understanding how the people, how, how people feel on your event as an event organizer is the most important thing to make the event a success for everyone. So just 
listen constantly, learn constantly, and restructure and reprocess everything you can. Yeah, we're we're iterative community. Why don't why aren't we being iterative in these things? And one thing I want to highlight before I before I close out is. I want to highlight because so um, so many people think that this is a U.S. issue only. Thank you for coming from Berlin to talk about that. Yes, there's racism <laughs> and white supremacy and places outside of the U.S. Thank you. <laughs> Have a great day. <laughs> you too. Bye bye. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of the hashtag Causing Podcast. And I'd like to thank all our current sponsors of the podcast and the hashtag Call the Scene movement. Of course, we strongly encourage everyone to become an individual sponsor of the hashtag Call the Scene community. Just visit the website at hashtagcallthescene.com to sign up today. On behalf of everyone here at hashtag Call the Scene, we'd like to thank you again for listening to today's show and have a wonderful day.